Beloved in the Lord, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. These are the words of one of Job's three comforters. And even though it's an unsavory source, we still recognize the truth of these words. Especially as life continues and beyond, it seems that there's little opportunity for rest. In our recreation, we can have a short break from the troubles of life, but they return quickly when we return to our regular duties. As the author of Ecclesiastes tells us, the labor of his hands is vapor. His pursuit of pleasure turns to ashes in his mouth. His pursuit of wisdom appears to be a chasing after wind. More, the lack of communication, the feelings of being left out, the desire for acceptance, the knowledge of others' anxieties and angers, they exhaust us. We may begin to feel that everybody is out to get us. We can begin to go down the path of an endless jostling for petty powers over one another and an endless list of petty grievances with which to charge other parties. We are burdened, burdened by our own labors, burdened by the expectations of others, burdened by our own sin. And that last one, that's where David's words in Psalm 38 come in as well. The burden of the wrath of the Lord as we see our own part in the brokenness around us, our failure to live righteously before God. This is our experience by our our own sinfulness and forgetfulness of the wrath of God can add to the already heavy burdens of existing And ultimately, we are too often unwilling to recognize the depths of our own misery. That's why Jesus is so clear. It's only those who humble themselves as little children that can come into the kingdom of God. But to do that, we need to hear the call of Jesus. And he calls us today with the words of Matthew 11. Come to me, you who labor, and I actually prefer the older translation, you who are weary, tired of labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I bring you the word of the Lord under the theme, rest in Jesus. First, we're going to talk about the heavy laden. Then we're going to see Jesus' call to take my yoke. And third, we're going to see the lightness of Jesus' yoke. In Matthew 11, God is teaching us about the nature of Jesus' ministry. It's moving toward the theme of rest, which will be taken up in chapter 12, where Jesus is revealed as the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest. And it begins with John the Baptist double-checking whether Jesus is the Christ. John the Baptist was called to declare the coming judgment of God and with it a call to repentance. He wonders at Jesus' ministry. John told Israel, the axe is laid at the roots. The axe is laid at the roots. Is Jesus 
that acts. Jesus responds with accounts of his miracles. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Before Jesus comes in judgment, Jesus must first hold out the opportunity for repentance and renewal. Ultimately, his ministry is to take that judgment on himself, and those who are willing to hear him will come and find life in him. It's not that there's no judgment coming upon those who refuse him. He tells us of certain cities, Chorazin and Bethsaida, which deserve worse than the destruction that came upon Tyre and Sidon. He tells Capernaum that she will have it worse than Sodom if she does not repent. But Jesus' ministry gives those cities an opportunity to repent before he comes in judgment. In fact, he thanks God that he has hidden these things from the wise and revealed them to little children. The little children, they understand their own weakness. They understand their misery. They understand that they have to, have to depend on someone else. And therefore, they are able to hear Jesus. The rich and powerful, the wise and the learned are not able to hear Jesus because they love their own wisdom. It's not that they're ultimately any less miserable, but they are blinded to the message of Jesus by their own power and might and wisdom. But in all this, Jesus does not lose the opportunity to call on those who recognize their misery. Come, come all who are weary and heavy laden. We need to understand this in the context of the Jews at the time, especially the Pharisaical Jews. They gave the people all kinds of extra rules and regulations that went beyond the law that Christ had given. The Jews might look in anger at their Roman oppressors, but more often it was their own leaders who oppressed them with high expectations of following laws that went far beyond the good law that God had given at Mount Sinai. The weary and heavy laden were those whose consciences were burdened by the endless rules and regulations as every move was measured by prying leaders as they sought to meet the expectations of those around them. And we have to understand this was not merely a bunch of burdensome rules. Through the Pharisees' rules, the people were kept from the rest of God. This message was also meant for those who were sinners, who recognized their sin and were not able to let go of that guilt particularly people like the prostitutes and the tax collectors, were offered grace in this statement. It wasn't that not everybody was a sinner, but prostitutes and tax collectors had a particular stigma. They were burdened with social stigma and the reality of their own sin, but they too could come to Jesus. Of course, we too have our own social standards that are so often unexpressed, and these too can become burdensome. We can think of our society today. 
Perhaps these are not common among ourselves, but these can show some of the freedom that Christianity can bring to the tender conscience of many in our society. Think of the burden of environmental consciousness, which often goes far beyond basic habits of cleanliness and order to a demand for constant attention to being green. Or the question of racial equality and past oppression, which goes beyond recognizing the circumstances and having sympathy for those who have suffered. Instead, many are burdened with past wrongs that can never be made right. Meanwhile, others are burdened with a constant need for justice. A justice, full justice, can't be found on this earth. It's only fully satisfied on the cross and finally in the coming kingdom of Christ. We need Jesus. And again, there's in all this a mix of the burden of real sin and the burdens that others put upon us. And Jesus says, come you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How? Through the cross, I will nail all the requirements of the law. I will also take your very real sinful nature and I will destroy it on the cross. You will have rest. What does that rest mean? Rest from the power of sin. Why is that rest? It's because our consciences are constantly standing against us, accusing us of failure after failure. But God says, I will give you rest. You will no longer be chased by the whip of sin and death, accusing you and destroying you. I will give you rest. In the context, that rest is reconciliation with God. You may now be a true son of a true father. Jesus destroys sin and sin's rule so that you may have rest in God. He frees you from those who bind your conscience with ill-fitting yokes. Through Jesus, you see the Father. So Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary, so that you may have rest with your Father, the God of Sabbath, the God who created Sabbath for man. In the very next chapter, Jesus will be revealed, the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one who gives rest. So are you weary of busyness, of the clamor of social media and the news cycle, of pontificating scholars and their wisdom and rules and moral obligations? Then come to Jesus. Are you weary of social pressure and ultimately your own accusing conscience? Come to Jesus. He is the embodiment of Sabbath rest, and rest is the freedom from these burdens. Now, these things don't automatically come to a full stop when we come to Jesus, although when we are with Him, say, on a Sunday, we can fully experience the joy of the rest of Jesus. But often there's a return of these burdens in the week. We're flesh, and, and the flesh is weak. We get caught up in, in the wearisome grind of this world. So keep coming. It's a lifelong approach and search for the rest that He brings. 
We taste something of it now, and we look forward to the time when we may let go of these fleshly, these bodies full of sinful nature to someday exchange them for spiritual bodies, real bodies, but animated and moved by the Spirit of God, by His righteousness and holiness. Brings us to our second point. Take my yoke. Take my yoke upon me, uh, upon you, adds Jesus. The suggestion is that the burden and labor of this world is cast on Jesus, and in turn we take the yoke of Jesus upon ourselves. Now, the first thing to notice is that we do have a yoke. Some would claim that Jesus frees us from all claims, from all law, from all social pressures. That's not necessarily true. You have to serve someone. We're made to serve the King, King Jesus. Jesus has a yoke. In the words of Romans 6, we remove the yoke of sin. We're no longer slaves of sin, and we're now slaves of righteousness. We are now working for Jesus. The yoke is meant for oxen or other animals who will pull plows or carts for their masters. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you because it will be good for you. It will help you in the calling with which you were originally called. It is given, the yoke of Jesus is given to strengthen you in living out what it really means to be human. Taking Jesus' yoke upon you is to learn from him. And it's in the scriptures that you find the law of Jesus. We'll sing at the end of the service from Psalm 119. There we sing of of the goodness of God's law, how it fits. It fits with what we're called to do. How we can become great through loving and following that law. And that's not because of the law itself. If we look at the law itself, if we're just looking at the law, we'll become like the Jews. We'll have unreasonable expectations of one another. We'll burden one another with our application of the law. But if we have the Lord Jesus and His character at the center of our application of the law, the law, as it were, that flows from the gospel of the cross then we can say, out of your salvation, I will follow you and praise you in all that I do for the days of my life. You see, the yoke of Jesus is wonderful and good. That's because our connection to the law is not to some abstract principle, but to the person of Jesus. Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly of heart. I am the preeminent child that relies on the good Father and Creator of heaven and earth. I am gentle and lowly of heart. I will not break the bent reed. I will not blow out the small spark. I am good. Sometimes we think we need to yell at somebody to improve them. And there may be a place for that. But even that must come from a gentle heart, a desire for the good of the person we are speaking to. Gentleness is to have a hard head, willing to speak the truth, 
but also a soft heart desiring the good of all who we come in contact with. Jesus' words remind us of Psalm 18 where David says, Your gentleness, your gentleness makes me great. God is gentle with David during his life, teaching him, training him to be a truly excellent holy warrior for the sake of God's kingdom. God is forgiving, being patient with David's sins and trespasses, even the great wickedness of David and Bathsheba. Your gentleness makes me great. You see, Jesus knows the ins and outs of our nature, knowing exactly what's good for us. He knows us better than we do ourselves. So come to him, you who are weary and heavy laden. Take those burdens from your life and cast your cares upon him and submit yourself to him. He will teach you, he will guide you, and you will find rest for your souls. He's good and will not burden you with what you cannot bear because he is gentle with his children. That brings us to our third point. My burden is light. And Jesus confirms this with his final words, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's foolish to burden an ox with a yoke that interferes in his calling to plow the field. Jesus' yoke fits perfectly because it reflects who we were made to be as people. So why is being a Christian sometimes so burdensome? The answer is it's not because of Jesus. It's because of our own flesh. We allow the flesh to take control. We allow unconfessed sin into our lives. But even in that, if we're willing to recognize our sin and come to Jesus and quit that heavy burden, we have the rest of Christ. We might also have reserved some part of ourselves from the yoke of Jesus. Jesus, through his word, has given us a law that is perfectly in accord with our nature. But we might rebel against some part of that law or fail to apply that law to some part of our life. Jesus' yoke will fit uneasily because we haven't properly fitted it to ourselves. We're not open to the Scriptures, as it were, ready to open ourselves to the full and fullness of the instruction of the Scriptures. We haven't internalized the law to the degree that we ought, and so we kick against the goads. Not I'm not saying that in the way that Paul did but in minor ways. And this is, again, where Jesus' gentleness comes in. Jesus is so patient with us as we grow in him. Yes, we need discipline, and sometimes, especially if we're not looking to him, we may need harsh discipline, but he's forming us, preparing us for the task that he has given us. Christianity can be burdensome because of the expectations of others or even what we perceive might be the expectations of others. Jesus says, don't yoke yourselves to others. Yoke yourself to me and my good law and follow that good law. Finally, Christianity can be burdensome because of the falseness of our own conscience. 
We can say this is what Christianity means or this is what all the theologians are saying. But again, this particular thing goes beyond what is written in the word of Jesus Christ. Our conscience might accuse us because of our past or because of our culture of something that is entirely permissible within the worldview of Scripture. So although it's not good to sin against our consciousness, we need to recognize that our conscience may also burden us unreasonably. Jesus promises rest, and in that rest, a burden that sits lightly upon us. Parents, teachers, elders, pastors, the civil magistrate, all can give us imperfect and uneasy burdens. They can create a heaviness that can undo the goodness of our lives. Jesus says, I will take that burden away and I will give you my yoke, which is the very thing which God made you for. Jesus is the good elder brother, shepherd, and perfect king who represents our heavenly father perfectly. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus gives full access to the Father. He allows us to worship the Father so that we might have rest. If we're right with him, if we cast all our cares on him and take his yoke, we will have rest for our souls. All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.